Hello. She's so friendly. Oh, I was going to start. <laughs> That's okay. I'll leave that in. Just no. so I'm the one who's screwing up. <laughs> Hello, working people of Southwest Washington. You're listening to episode 11 of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. We're also a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Find out more about the network at laborradionetwork.org. I'm Shannon Myers. And I'm Harold Phillips. And before we get started, we wanted to remind you that the views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council, its affiliates unions, our guests unions, or their employers, not even their turkey dinner. And I don't know how a dinner has an opinion, but uh, I know it's Thanksgiving. Well, now that we've got that out of the way, Shannon... Are your kids back in school, or are they still doing that remote thing? Well, we are all remote, and as most of you have probably heard by now, since this is airing on Saturday, on Monday evening at 11.59, new restrictions were put in place for Washington State in regards to COVID again, which means that people are not being responsible and doing little things like wearing masks, washing hands, staying six feet apart. But because they haven't, we are now back to square one with my kids' school. And unfortunately, that's going to kill not only my kids, but it's also very frustrating for our educators. And man, do we have a problem with our classified employees or our support employees at our school districts now. Yeah, you know, when the pandemic first hit, our local education unions worked really hard with the school districts to make sure educators were treated fairly and felt safe on the job. But there is a whole other group of people working in the schools who weren't able to get that same treatment. Yes. For those of you who are not familiar with how many unions are in a school district, there are the teachers that have their union. We have support staff that have their union. And then we also have classified employees that have another union. There's a whole bunch of people that go into educating our children. It's not just the educators. We are lucky enough to have Barb Plymate, who is the president of the Vancouver Association of Educational Support Professionals, here with us to talk about just that. Barb, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Barb, classified employees, what does that term mean, classified? So, the certified employees are the teachers, they're certificated in teaching where the classified employees are the support staff around the educational um, needs of the student. So in our district, classified employees are broken down actually into two different union groups. So we have our union group, which is the Association of Educational Support Professionals. We are the secretaries, the clerical, the paraeducators, the technology assistants. And then there's also the SEIU employee group, which is our nutritional services, bus drivers, uh, maintenance. So when you say support staff, they're supporting the teachers. And right now I know the teachers and the educators are like working double time with this online stuff. So you guys are probably pretty valuable right now, aren't you? Actually, Shannon, thank you very much for bringing that up because we do 
value our work very highly. And unfortunately, our district has chosen to lay off over 350 of our members at this time. What? This is definitely not supporting the needs of our families and our community. We are hearing the cry, actually, of our teachers who are overworked at this time, and they do not have the additional hands that they need to be able to work online with students, which we did give support to last spring. That's like over a third of your workforce. Um, Correct. We have actually 350 members who were furloughed out of 950 um, throughout the state. So basically, that's 4% statewide that are here, right here in Vancouver School District that are not working with students. 4% is here in Vancouver. That seems pretty high. So is this not something that we're seeing all over the state? Explain that to me. Actually, no. Most of the districts within the state are using their classified staff in various ways. I can talk about Spokane, Kent. They are using their support staff to do direct teaching with students. They are there helping with the Zoom conferences. They are there to make phone calls. They're following up with families. They're checking on attendance. They're doing all of the things that our district really needs, and they're not actually seeing the need for that right now. For some reason, the district seems to believe that we're not a valued unit and that we're no longer needed. So they've chosen to do this furlough for our members. I'm confused. What you've described is pretty essential stuff. And as Shannon mentioned, the educators are working overtime to try and do all this work. What is the district's justification for furloughing these positions? Well, their justification to us is the lack of funds, which we totally disagree with. Our district has $35 million in their reserve funds for a rainy day. And at this time, if COVID isn't a rainy day, I don't know what's raining. The district is basically building their rainy day fund off of this. They're claiming that they are down in attendance, and they're claiming a lot of things that really are absolutely not true. We've had our Washington Education Association analysts go out and do some real analysis on their budget and some of the resources they could have tapped into and that they could be using, and they have chosen not to do that. You talked about attendance and how attendance is down. I have two children in school doing online right now. They also have friends who don't have a mother who is like me, home, making sure they're doing their homework and attendance is up to date. I would think that, like you said, some of these classified employees could go and maybe, oh, I don't know, go find the kids that are missing and get them the support they need. You're absolutely right about that. Those are tasks that we are definitely able to do and can be in charge of doing. Our members can clearly be making phone calls on students who are not engaging. We have students that we absolutely know are not signing in to their classes. We have students who are struggling, saying they're failing. Our parents can very easily be calling on these students and try to break down the barriers, try to determine what we can do to help. You know, Barb, I think a lot of people hear about furloughs and layoffs, and the numbers start to run together after a while, especially in hard times when budgets are tight, revenue is down, but 350 people don't have a job right now, right? Absolutely. And our members are struggling right now. They are trying to figure out how they're paying rent. They're trying to figure out now the holidays are coming, what's happening with that. 
We have members who have 30 plus years of seniority who have been cut and they've had to try to figure out the unemployment process. Uh, They are all struggling very hard, and this is so unnecessary. I mean, it's just a disservice to our community when we should be here to help our students. This is why it irritates me. It should be all hands on deck to protect every single community member, not only safety-wise, but also financially and being able to support their families. So school district, if you're listening, Keep your workers working. You are destroying the community. If this isn't a rainy day, I don't know what is. I don't understand this. Is there a way that we can help you, Barb? How can we help your members? Right now, we have an online petition. It's the change.org equity for Vancouver students. We also have some videos that are out right now that have our analysis about the budget on our Facebook. We've been doing drive-in rallies with our school board. We are trying to get more of our parents involved so that they can talk to the school board about the inequity of this. There's a real inequity of how things are happening throughout the state based on what Vancouver Public Schools is doing. Again, we are the only school district that is experiencing the cuts like this. So, Barb, one last question. I know we're running out of time, but we're recording this on Tuesday, November 17th, which is just a couple of days after Governor Inslee announced his new restrictions because of the COVID pandemic. Your members are already struggling. How are these new restrictions affecting them? This is a really hard time for all of our employees because those who are working with students in the building are having a difficult time with the COVID restrictions that the governor has put down, knowing that they are on site and being in there and working with each other. The district has done a good job of trying to make sure that the guidelines are there, that the PPE is there, that we're following everything. But we have these members who also can very easily be working remotely. They were working remotely in the spring. We were sent home with nothing and then told that we had to figure out how to do online registration and things like that. So we scrambled on how to do that. We figured out how to do it. And there is absolutely no reason that we can't be safe and supporting our families and supporting our students the same way we were in the spring. So Barb, you mentioned a Facebook page. A little while ago? Yeah, it's Washington Education Association Riverside Uniserve Council page. So it's W-E-A-R-U-C. Facebook.com slash W-E-A-R-U-C? Correct. Well, Barb, thank you so much for being here with us and talking about school employees who a lot of people depend on, but many people sometimes don't think about. Now stick around working people. We're going to take a little break, and then we're going to talk to two members of the Clark County Council about the governor's new restrictions and what they mean for people here in southwest Washington. Hey, folks, it's Bama Athreya, your host on The Geek Podcast. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And this show is now part of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. You can discover more than just us by visiting their website at laborradionetwork.org. The Labor Radio Network will help you find your favorite union podcast or radio show, besides this one, of course. 
What is the Labor Radio Podcast Network? It's a simple network of folks from around the United States. Working people keep raising their voices more and more each day and demanding better treatment from their workplaces and from their elected officials. These voices don't get heard very much on the corporate-controlled media. But the 21st century labor movement has a new way to get its message out there besides traditional media gatekeepers. Uh, Yeah, it's ironic, but we are talking about corporate-controlled social media. But we are trusting you as the gatekeepers. So plug in and get the real news. For a one-stop shop, just visit laborradionetwork.org. On the main page, you'll see a grid of show logos, and you can just click on any one of them and the description and links pop up right there. It's worth going to visit this ever-growing set of voices for labor. Thanks for sticking with us, working people. If you think back to our episode on the Clark County Charter Review Commission, you'll remember that the Clark County Council actually has a big impact on our daily lives here in Southwest Washington. And people who are very concerned about what our classified staff are dealing with and people who've been laid off by the current restrictions are County Councilor Temple Lentz, representing District 1, and County Councilor Julie Olson, representing District 2. Thank you so much for joining us, Temple and Julie. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Julie, we talked in the first segment to the president of the Vancouver Association of Educational Support Professionals, some of our classified staff who are struggling obviously, with the budget cuts the COVID epidemic has brought to Southwest Washington. Can you give us an idea of what kind of budget impact the county is looking at as a result of the pandemic? Well, your question is timely, actually, since we just finished our budget hearing this morning. We estimated initially that we were going to see about an $8 million budget hit, uh, at least in Clark County. I think we're going to see about a $6 million um, a six million dollar budget hit. Sales tax came back better than we expected. Still not great, but we didn't lose as much as we thought we would. So we have been able to use some of the CARES Act funding to fill in some of these gaps. What we've also been able to do is use some of that funding to try to help out in the community to help some of the folks who have been impacted by some of the cuts that we've seen. So that six to eight million dollar loss that we expected was really for county services specifically. And both because that wasn't as bad as we thought it would be, and because of the CARES Act funding, we didn't have to make some of the cuts that we thought we might. And that's fantastic. What we're also able to do is pull some of these funds and try to put them back into the community to help some of our individuals and small businesses that are out there. When you say helping individuals and small businesses, what sort of programs are you talking about Because of the CARES Act funding, we were able to put out $8.5 million in small business grants that the CREDC is helping us with and the Vancouver Chamber of Commerce is helping us with. Yesterday, we just approved another $2 million, so now we've appropriated $4 million to the Clark County PUD to help offset utility bills for, we hope, up to 10,000 to 14,000 ratepayers in Clark County. Because what we know is people are hurting right now. We're trying to get people back to work, but we're trying to keep people safe and healthy. And we're trying to do everything we can, given the resources we have, to put all that back into the community to the best of our ability. Some other funds that have come through from the CARES Act have also been able to be used for rent support. So it's been fantastic in some ways that we've had the eviction moratorium. 
but people still are having to pay their rent and they're still needing to keep up because eventually that moratorium is going to be lifted and we're going to have a bad situation. So what some of these funds are doing is helping people bridge that gap in paying their rent and keeping as current as they can. So let's talk about the new restrictions. I know that part of us getting back to normal, having our economy open and getting my kids back to school, getting classified employees back to school and working is getting the COVID under control. So can we explain what these new restrictions are and where does the Clark County Council fit in with all this? So I just brought up in front of me the guidance that was issued and There are a lot of specifics in it, and all of that can be found on the governor's website, coronavirus.wa.gov. Some of the key restrictions are that restaurants and bars, which had been allowed to have limited indoor service, now no indoor service at bars and restaurants. They can still do takeout, and if they have the capacity for outdoor seating, in November in the Pacific Northwest, uh, they can. A lot of the sort of places that are more gathering places like movie theaters and bowling alleys, those sorts of things that had been allowed to open in a limited capacity, no more for the next four weeks. Fitness facilities and gyms are also the big one that had been allowed to have limited capacity and they're closed if they're operating indoors. Say you have a personal trainer who's able to take folks on runs and do things outside, they can still do that. And then one of the biggies was indoor social gatherings. So they're basically recommending that no gatherings with people from outside your household. They do have some guidance for if you really need to or want to do it, please, you know, quarantine in advance for 14 or seven days. In the guidance, there's the specifics on how to do it. And then also get a negative COVID test 48 hours before that gathering. All of this is in an attempt to limit people's exposure to the places where they may get COVID and bring it home and share it with their families. Most Thursdays I attend the restaurant roundtable. This group of restaurateurs in Clark County, plus representatives from the governor's office, hospitality association, many of our local electeds, we know a lot of businesses have been hit hard through this pandemic. Restaurants seem to be taking the biggest brunt of this in the first round, in the middle and now in this existing round. And again, this eight and a half million dollars that we were able to get under the community restaurants were probably the biggest recipient of those funds. Not not all of them, but many of those. The governor also just issued a set of guidelines for outdoor dining. So if you can provide a cover with either three walls or the ability to have proper ventilation, then you can actually have a comfortable outdoor dining experience in the state of Washington. So I've been working and talking with our county manager about what we're doing to fast track those permits and then maybe waive those permit fees so that these folks can get these structures up safely and help keep them in business. There's a lot of work going on behind the scenes and out in front on trying to keep our restaurants alive. That's why I always suggest if you're going to eat out, let's find a local restaurant to patronize and take out. We always go to those local businesses to sponsor our baseball teams, our soccer teams. We should be supporting them now. So thank you, Julie, for bringing that up. And if I could make one utterly shameless plug here. (laughs) I'm on the board of a local nonprofit here called the Northwest Wine and Food Society used to be the Wine and Food Society of Clark County, but we just changed our name. 
Our original mission was to raise money to provide scholarships for students entering culinary and viticulture type arts so they can make good wine for us and they can make good food for us. Over the summer, though, based on the pandemic, we did a little evolution. We have a program called the Restaurant Reboot, where we've been raising money to provide little mini grants for restaurants. And we've given out probably $12,000 in $2,000 grants. We just received a donation, I'm telling you, for $5,000 that came out of the blue, a supporter of ours. That money is going to go to restaurants to help them survive and build these structures so that we can eat outside. So we have about $10,000 more to give away to local restaurants. And it's the Northwest Wine and Food Society, so you can look it up online and feel free to donate if you want to, but all the money goes right back to the community. And when we get through the pandemic, we'll get back to raising money for scholarships for students. That's really exciting, Julie. That is great news. We're recording this on November 17th, and that is just about a week away from Thanksgiving. Temple mentioned some of the gathering restrictions that these new orders from the governor bring up. What are you hearing from your constituents about how that's going to affect their Thanksgiving and what can they do to help have some sort of a family holiday? Hearing everything across the board. I don't think these restrictions are making anybody happy. After the year we've been through, we're coming into the holiday season and especially Thanksgiving being a holiday when you get together with family and friends. That's, that's the whole point of the holiday. A lot of people saw this coming. I mean, even before this announcement was made on Sunday, our family or our families have been talking about how are we going to do this differently? You know, we have elderly relatives. We don't want to endanger them. Uh, we have family that lives out of state. What's our travel situation going to be? So already talking about how we can figure out how to use Zoom and other ways to try to bring people together virtually. Again, nobody's really happy about it. A lot of people understand the necessity for it. Also hearing some anger and some resistance and pushback and, you know, they're not going to come into my house and enforce this. You know, there aren't going to be patrols checking to see if people have five or more people in their houses. That's not that's not what this is. This is about recommendations to try to help us all be safer and get through this thing. The longer this drags out, the longer we don't follow the guidelines and that we don't mask up and get this right, the longer it's going to last. You know, I'll tell you, honestly, this has hit me personally really hard. My niece just had a new baby and um, I was going to travel to see her. <laughs> yeah. So the restrictions, these are not I mean, are these unrealistic? Were these needed in our community? As far as the numbers here in the county, what do they look like? Because some people are saying that this isn't necessary. Is it necessary? You know, at this point, yes, it's necessary. You know, I, and I've evolved, honestly, at the beginning of this. I wasn't going to believe that this was going to be this serious. Um COVID has killed over 230, probably 240,000 people. It's the third cause of death in the United States right now. There's no flu epidemic or pandemic that's ever killed this many people. And it's devastating. And it's not just us here in Clark County. This is throughout the world. People are feeling just what we're feeling here. You know, the idea that these numbers aren't accurate or that they're made up or that they're political, I just, I don't understand that. I understand people's dislike and frustration about restrictions and not wanting the government to tell them what to do. I absolutely understand that. But, you know, we have a social contract um, 
And freedom of speech is not unlimited. And freedom of expression is not unlimited. It's not, and it never has been. So I don't understand why it's political, honestly. You know, just briefly about the Board of Health. Um, We do not have the ability to do anything counter to the governor's guidance. We don't have that authority. We don't have that power under state law. The county health officer, Dr. Melnick, the Board of Health oversees his activities. He actually reports to our county manager. So if folks think we have the ability to fix it or change it, we don't. We're seeing these numbers just skyrocket. And it's not just infections. We've heard some people talk about, oh, this is just a bad flu. That's patently not true. As Julie said, this is the third largest killer in 2020 of Americans. Also, we are still learning about the residual effects. Maybe somebody caught coronavirus, they didn't get dramatically sick, or maybe they did, but they were able to get through it. And then months later, they're still feeling effects. And we're still learning what all of that means for people moving forward. And here in Clark County, our cases are higher than they've ever been. We thought we had a peak in the spring, and then we thought we had another peak in the summer. And now this is double where we were. Our hospitalizations are going up. So we are heading into a place where right now our medical providers can handle it. But the cliff is much closer than it should be for us to feel comfortable. You've both mentioned the numbers here in Clark County. If listeners want to see those numbers, where should they go? At our county website, clark.wa.gov. There is a section right on the homepage for coronavirus resources, and that's where you can find all of the information about local county numbers, and it also has click-throughs and links to find more state information. And those are updated a couple times a week, and I think yesterday we had 229 cases in one day, and that is overwhelming our public health staff. We're coming to the end of our time, but as people are looking forward to Thanksgiving, maybe not spending it with their families, going into the holiday season with a lot of uncertainty, with restrictions. Is there one piece of advice that you would give our listeners on how to deal with this new reality that we're moving into? I think that um, I'm going to not listen to your to your guidance, and I'm going to give you two. By all One means, is, yeah. let's support our local restaurants and eat some fantastic food while supporting local business. Let's also remember as we come into holiday time, especially when our activities are limited, it's so easy to shop online. Let's remember our local businesses for holiday shopping as well. We've got a lot of retailers here who are hanging on and doing what they can. And this is the season when they make most of their income. So let's support them and help keep them going. And something that helps me when this all feels just like too much is to remember that everybody else is going through it too. And so to try to remember to treat myself and others with as much grace and kindness as I possibly can, which is sometimes easier said than done, but it helps to come back to it. It's easy to kind of get into your own sort of spiral of depression based on all the things going on around us, whether we've lost a job or can't see my baby niece. That's hard. And it was upsetting to me in a really serious way. But, you know, everybody has to find their own way to try to get through this. I mean, I know I'm reading more than I have, and I love that. Um, I will not talk about my recycling bin right now. 
Um, and I referred to what I did earlier, so you'll know that. Uh, but if you're going to drink the wine, drink the good wine. There's no reason not to. And hopefully it's just another few months, you know, that we'll get this vaccine out here and we'll have some controversy around that as well. But there'll be a light at the end of the tunnel and then we'll get into the roaring 20s again, maybe. <laughs> you know, Harold, there's that phrase, grace and kindness. Almost in every single one of our episodes, because we've been dealing with all of these terrible 2020, just nasty crud, I'll be nice, everybody has been saying two or three words, and it usually starts with grace, kindness, and patience is usually thrown in there too. So let's have grace, kindness, and patience with what is going on. Let's follow the guidelines that are in front of us. And please, if you can't wear a mask for yourself, please do it for me. I'm a high-risk person and do it for us, your community members. Because we are all in it together in our community. I want to thank you both, Temple Lentz, Clark County Counselor for District 1, and Julie Olson, Clark County Counselor for District 2. Thank you so much for joining us and for taking the time to share your thoughts with our listeners. Thanks for having us. This has been fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for your service to our community and thank you for keeping us safe. And thank you, Working People, for joining us on another episode of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. And take Julie Olson's advice. Go out to a local restaurant. Get some takeout. Fill that growler. Let's keep our local businesses up and running through this. And don't forget, you are supporting a local podcast that is recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. Local and union. You're hitting all the marks just by listening to this. Remember, working people, this is your show. We want to know what you want to hear on it. Email us at podcast at swwaclc.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at swwaclc. And I know that you're feeling very giving as Thanksgiving is on Thursday. So make sure you hit that subscribe button and give us a gift of you following our podcast. And while you're at it, be sure to give us five stars or fill in your local bubble or whatever your podcast platform of choice gives you. Let, let people know about the show and let them know you like it. One last thing, folks, as Counselor Olson and Counselor Lentz brought up, this is not going to be easy and nobody likes it, but we have to stick together if we're going to get through this. I know it's going to be hard. It's especially hard during the holidays, but if we can just make it for a few months, we'll have this thing beat. And the only way that we are going to open up our economy and put our community back to work is if we follow the protocols that will keep this virus down. So please, I know you hear it a hundred times a day, but wear your mask, wash your hands, avoid crowds, and observe social distancing. Those things are not taking away your freedoms. 
they are assuring us that we will all make it tomorrow. So please be safe, wear your mask, and protect our community members. Including those classified employees that we were talking about in the first part of the show. We want to get those folks back to work. But the only way we're going to do that is if we get this virus under control. So mask up, stay home, stay safe, and we'll see you soon. Happy Thanksgiving!